0: Boy, a week's a long time. Uh, that's all, that's the end of the statement, I guess. <laughs> it's true. It is true. A week is a long time. Seven days at least. Hey, we're glad you're back. Um, we're geared up today. We've had a really interesting conversations in the green room that we didn't record. We should have recorded them. Uh, lesson learned. I'm just going to start hitting the record button. No, I'm not. I've just made an, uh, an executive decision. I'm not going to do we
1: that. We appreciate you not doing that. Yes, I just,
0: yeah, I've had some flashbacks, and I was like, nope. We have enough trouble without uh, other people coming to us saying, you said that?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Welcome back to Michael Kuntz across the table from me. Hey, Jackson. Uh. That's into that too. You're, you came back, and I'm glad. And I'm glad, <laughs> glutton, <laughs> glutton for yep, whatever this is. Jason Riccardi, also across the table. Yeah, you might have noticed uh, if you paid attention a few weeks ago on Mike the Baptist with the three preachers across the table. There are two close-ups on the video of, and uh, it was Jason and Koontz sitting where they are today, and. If they look at each other with this in the split screen of all four of us, they're actually looking at each other on the screen. But that particular day, in setting up for my the baptist that morning, I had Koontz's uh, camera reversed. And you couldn't really <laughs> tell it, except every time Jason would start talking, Koontz would look away. Like this, you know, real conceited, that's arrogant. Awesome. Like, you know, I'm not even listening to you. It was so hilarious. I don't know how many of you might have noticed it. You that's would a good day day
1: reason with to go back. on Wednesday night. Yes,
2: yeah. yes, I would. Was so that, <laughs> <that's it? laughs> that? his disdain for Jason always being correct on any or outy? we're not even looking at you. Yes, oh. we're done
1: with this show.
0: Salt. That's salt <laughs> in the wound.
1: Well, you're bringing this up like several weeks later. I mean, well, I'm bringing is- it up.
0: Well, I get confused about you know. Yeah, I just get confused, but either way, you were a big winner. But I'm saying that now because I predict you're going to fall hard at some point.
1: I, I believe I will. I was surprised that I didn't uh, the last last time. Yeah, because
0: you were a true. little, it's the first time I've seen you real iffy yeah. about something, but you held your ground. So I was impressed that you, you were... Con, you, I was
1: very lucky. It could have gone either way.
0: I'll just yeah. tell you, there's a little luck involved with some of this in your attic because we're finding out ourselves here. That once you run out of the short list of the first t- ten the or twelve, you can get, yeah, on the Google has access to. Yes, once you run out of those, you know, there's It'd you to start deeper. scratching. But then all of a sudden, it's very interesting what's in there that you just didn't really notice before. HD Jones is also with us. Good to be back. Didn't mean to look you well, over. It's good, we just, man. We got it's involved right. in the conversation there across the table, and it's interesting stuff. Good to see you back, <laughs> and uh, and uh, thanks for. Pandering to that and saying that it was that interesting because it's you know well it is it really is. Uh, if you're listening or watching, we're glad you're there too, and uh, we'd like to know your name because we're just said all of our names. Send us your names to Mike. Uh, no, <laughs> send us uh, send us your name, your comments. If you have a question for anybody that ever shows up, your credit up on card here, number, your card numbers, yeah. Anything you'd like to send? We have an email address: comments at mike the dot com. You can type up an email, a good old fashioned email. I guess email's old fashioned now, isn't it? Has it, has it been around it. long yeah. enough? Yeah, kids it's, don't use it anymore. It's old fashioned. Yeah. Well, we don't have a number that we we were going to give you, to, so you can no text kids. us. No correctly. kids are listening to this
2: <laughs> program. Probably, <laughs> uh, Probably not. Probably uh,
0: not. If you are, if you are a kid and you're listening, send us your. Uh, Comment to comments at mike the Baptist.com.
3: or have your parents email us.
0: Now, what would even be, even be better is is uh, send us a, a, a comment that says I'm not listening. <laughs> <laughs> my grandson uh, over this past weekend, we were sitting around. There's a we have a, <clears throat> a text chain that's my two grandchildren, my daughter, my son, my wife, and myself, and we're just constantly texting, you know, things here and there and. Just, Somebody thinks something, they text it, and we send pictures back and forth. So we were sitting there a day or two ago over the weekend, and my grandson, Ave sends a text, and he didn't direct it to anyone. Uh, he he texted, I've lost my phone. Can somebody call it? So his grandmother being the kind soul she is, immediately called to help him find his phone. And but anyway, long story short, I, we don't know who he was trying to pull this over on. I think he's actually trying to How do it, did it to he his send sister. Sent a text
1: message saying he lost his phone.
0: Exactly. Okay. I, I think he was to, trying to pull one over on his sister, but he caught his grandma.
1: <laughs>
0: so she called him. How so, old is he now? He's thirteen. He just turned into a teenager. Wow. That's just insane. That's crazy. That's insane. Hmm. And he's a good teenager. He's a really good one. They're both good time. kids. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> you were one once. Just I w- remember. <laughs> I wore one once, too. <laughs> so anyway, hey, you know, since we're already kind uh, of joshing around and, and kind of talking like we're on a front porch, we'll move into the front porch section of today's program, which may be interesting if I can get the right kind of information out of you guys. Mm. Uh, I want I want us to share. It's a two-part thing I want you to share. And it, it's all based around your experiences in church when you were young. I mean, talk I'm real young, not teenage. Or it, I prefer you go back even farther in your memory. But So what I'd like for you to share with, with everybody is, one, one of your favorite food items that always showed up at potluck dinners that some little old lady or uh, some hermit old man or somebody uh, would bring to those potlucks. Or just just a food item that stands out in your mind from potlucks. Okay. The second thing I want you to share is uh, your memory of a unique individual that you remember from church when you were young. Oh, no. The funnier, oh, the no. better. Oh, we'll no. get in trouble here. That's fine. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, just don't use names unless you have to. But I'll start. I will start to show you what I'm looking for, kind of. Uh, one, well, my my food thing is actually kind of a two-part. One is I was frightened by some things that showed up at Potluck's. There were some casserole dishes that had colors of meats and and gravies and things that just didn't, they look frightening and like you know, the older people in front of me, I can remember people dipping things with a spoon out of some of those dishes and the stuff that dripped off the spoon kind of made you, it was confusing. I have that but the one thing that sticks out in my head from potlucks, every time I think of the word potluck, I think of deviled eggs. The churches i went to when i was young if there was a potluck there was a dozen different assortments of deviled eggs at every one of them and i can still remember that smell the taste of some that was just so good and then it was so good that you were willing to try the next one that was just horrible so are you
1: allowed to have deviled eggs at a church potluck uh yes
0: and and it was a pentecostal church
1: how do you mess up deviled eggs
0: You can mess up a deviled egg. Let me tell you, you put the wrong stuff in that yellow part and stir it in there, you can mess it up. Okay. If it ain't got the right amount of dill and mustard and stuff in there. Okay. Let me just tell you, I have bad memories of getting the wrong plate, getting one off the wrong plate. It's bad. Okay. So that's my food recollection. I have this memory of a little old lady, small old lady that one church always asked to play the piano for the offertory. I don't remember her ever playing the piano for anything else, but she always played for the offertory. Her name was Louise Holliball. I remember the name, (laughs) Louise Holliball.
1: That would stick with you.
0: It it does. Now, you know, uh, if anyone in my home area is hearing this and remembers Louise Holliball, uh, let me just say, first of all, I'm 62 and some of my memories aren't exactly vivid, so I may get part of this wrong, but what I remember is Louise would play these incredibly uh, ornate, I don't know if that's a word for a piano medley, ornate melodies that were incredibly slow. And so slow, it feels like in my memory that I was kind of leaning forward waiting on the next note, some of them, and they would take up the offering, and she would continue playing. And then at the ending, she would—it seemed like she would always end these songs. You know how some songs they end and go da something like that. Louise Holliball would make it go blink 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 blink. <laughs> it's like she was going to go off the end of the keyboard playing these notes Anyway, that's my memory of that I didn't know her I'm, I'm sure she was a great, sweet old lady I just remember thinking, man, that piano thing is just like I didn't know there were that many keys on the end of the piano Just going out of sight You don't hear those very often, do you? What's that? Those keys You know you don't Those way up on the end there, you don't Well, God bless Louise
2: Holliboff for playing them Okay, should be a challenge for Neil I know he'll listen to this. Play on the ends of the keyboard every now and then, right? Yeah, get them, get so, them keys all the way up there on the There was
1: a famous composer, and I can't remember which one it is, uh, Beethoven. I'm thinking in my head. but uh, You're probably right, Mr. Genius. <laughs> I'm not voting. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, yeah. He was famous. He had this you know. one thing where he was playing, and it was on this end of the, the piano, and he actually had a stick in his mouth, and he would, he would be playing on this end of the piano, and he would – that number to hit the other end of the piano, so because of the the probability of moving from one end to the other right. in the time that was necessary uh, was impossible. So that was how he actually wrote and composed this, and he would hit that note with his wow. Yeah,
0: Jerry Lee Lewis just did it with his foot.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> after he kicked the. Uh, you know, the yeah, the bench out of the way, right? Yep, set on fire.
2: So, what was the question again? We're supposed to be talking about food. Yes, food. And, and then, the what else? Is that some memorable character? Yes, that right. you
0: remember as you were young. Now, when you get older, you remember people for different reasons, but I'm thinking about those things that not don't frighten you, but they're in your head there. They're just in your psyche, and you just. <laughs> Coons? Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you have? Are you ready? Sure. Yeah, I can go for it.
3: Uh, so, <clears throat> potluck meals. Uh, the church I was at when we were. When I was little, uh, it was—I don't remember a whole lot of the potlucks. Uh, of course, you know you had. It is a very big church, and there was hundreds and hundreds of dishes that were always laid out. So, what I was thinking about on this one was uh, what we would do every Sunday afternoon at church is uh, we'd always have you know our choir practice. So we had you know the children, uh, the youth choir practices, the adult choir practices. And uh, between choir practice and training union time, uh, they would feed us uh, the, all the kids and the teenagers, and we would have hamburgers every uh, every Sunday. But the hamburgers we had this uh, a couple in the church, and they would come in every Sunday, and they would cook hundreds of hamburgers for all the kids that were there for choir practice. Uh, so it would take a while to cook all those. I uh, had big you know big kitchen and stuff, but they would take these hamburgers and then i mean they'd smash them they were super thin little burgers put them on the buns put the pickles on there and then they'd put them back in the wrapper that the buns came out of so when we would come down to eat you know all you know just tons of hamburgers were down there they were never soggy though i mean they weren't bad i mean they were delicious they were they were really good and if you were if you weren't a teenager yet so if you were in the children's grades uh they would always i don't know how they did this they would bring in the drink that they would serve kids at McDonald's is like a Kool-Aid oh, uh, orange, orange drink, yep. And we'd had the dispensers from McDonald's that we would, you know, all the kids would get to to drink that. But then when you got to be a teenager, you got the uh, Pepsi's and the Mountain Dews and the glass <laughs> bottles. Yeah. Uh-huh. so that was always a big hit uh, to me, anyway. You know, <laughs> I, I I love that. And I can still taste those burgers. You mm-hmm. know, that's just and smell the the way the uh, whole church would smell from cooking all of that stuff. <laughs> so that was good stuff. As far as a, a memorable person, uh, and this ain't really a funny story, but he was a very memorable individual. And I know I shared this at a coffee time not too long ago, but it was a, uh, a gentleman. His name was Tub Effinger, and Tub was a veteran. Tub Effinger? Tub. I'd like to know a Tub Effinger. Yes, and you'd love to know <laughs> known Tub. And uh, Tub was a veteran uh, from Vietnam. And uh, I know Dad and our family were close with the Fingers and stuff uh, throughout my life, so we'd go out to their houses and hang out and stuff. And uh, Dad got to hear a lot of stories and things about Tub, but I never heard much about his time in Vietnam. And there's actually a um, a tribute that was uh, put out on about him a few weeks ago because it had been four years since Tub died, and it explained what Tub did during Vietnam. I mean, he was in with the special forces guys. It was a very clandestine operation group that he served with. It was incredible to read this stuff about him. But as a kid, it all makes sense. Uh, when we were in Royal Ambassadors as a kid, Tubb was this huge fella. I mean, I would put him up against like a Hulk Hogan type guy. He was just big. I mean, strong. When you shook his hand, you could just you knew he was a strong individual. Uh, but there was great respect for Tubb. You know, he had that deep, voice of like a a marine drill instructor Uh, and usually when he spoke people would do what he said but of course in Royal Ambassadors we were dealing with a lot of brats and stuff that would come in there (laughs) and uh, so one of Tubbs forms of discipline was when you disobeyed he would take a piece of chalk draw a circle on the wall you had to put your nose in that circle and stand there until he told you otherwise but then the circle would be just high enough that you had to stand on your tippy toes Uh, the whole time. So I never got in trouble. I never had to do that. I was a good kid, but, uh, but tub was one of those guys. It was, uh, a a very unique individual. He loved the Lord and, uh, he served well, you know, country and God, it was a trouble man to,
0: to be around. Nate tub effinger, effinger, effinger. Yep. Yep. I need to know a guy named that. Good stories. I can almost smell those hamburgers you're talking about. Yeah.
1: I kind of want one now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I spent some time in church when I was a little kid, you know, my dad wasn't really serving the Lord at the time, so we we were sporadic in and out of church, and so I don't remember a whole lot before I was maybe eight years old, and even then, I don't remember a whole lot of time in church. Um, My first, one of my first real memories, uh, memorable food experiences at a church was actually when I was a student pastor. And I hadn't been a student pastor for very long, full time, anyways, at this church. When we had a crawfish boil, <clears throat> and it was my first experience with a crawfish fish boil, I was very skeptical that there were going to be that many people that actually liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had the crawfish boil, and it ended up being very good. But I, I, am very adventurous. I mean, I ate a uh, tarantula. Yeah, chocolate covered tarantula. That's yeah. that's a thing I've done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I. Did not and have not been able to talk myself into uh, what some of them were trying to get me to do, and and that was to suck the brains out of the the crawfish. I was going to ask have if you that. yeah if
0: you did the middle of it or not.
1: No, <clears throat> just just couldn't bring myself to do that. But uh,
0: the tails are great.
1: Tails are great. Yep.
0: But you and just the couldn't...
1: sausage they put in there and then and then the corn oh, it was yeah. great, but just couldn't bring myself to do that one. I'm not fond of that either. I mean, it's, have you guys had it? Oh, is yeah. Is it weird? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I've not sucked the brains out. I, I have, but I don't either. want I've to had anymore. crawfish boils a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. As
0: long as there's a lot of those tails, I'm, I'm going with the tails.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was actually surprised because teenagers are typically very picky about what they eat. And so yeah. I was thinking that the crawfish boil was going to go over like a lead balloon.
3: No, don't no, cry. It, it went good. over really well. Is yeah. this it's in really Memphis? Good. It was. Yeah. See, it's huge over there on the river. It is. It's That's the first place big. I ever ate it was in Memphis.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that was, uh, that was that. Um, Man, you know, interesting, interesting people um, over the years. The first person I can really think of that made an impact in my life was this guy. His name was Forrest McGregor.
0: Uh, How come you guys know people with cool names? I don't know. Uh, my mom I probably did
1: too. Knew knew some people. Uh, there were s- twin sisters. She actually knew two sets of sisters that were interesting. One of them was Ima and Yura Hogg. I've heard this story. And then. The yeah, other ones that she other knew. The were interesting. You know, to, but you didn't go I, to church with these people. This is no, supposed to be I, about people you met in church. That's why he said interesting names. It made me think. Anyway, um, anyway, Forrest McGregor.
0: <laughs> I'm pre-editing in my mind already. <laughs> well, I, need to, I need to turn it that
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want Jason. Uh, Forrest was just a good dude. He was the, the pastor of a small <clears throat> church in Texas. Uh, went to it for many years. Just a good guy and I mean our church ran about 30 people at the time and uh, we would often have like 10 kids there wow just percentage wise a huge number and it's because he chose to invest in in us Mm -hmm. and I mean he would have us over at his house and We'd hang out, have youth. Uh, he'd he'd feed us, do stuff like that. I mean, he was just a good guy. He is actually the reason that uh, God first put it on my radar that I was called to ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, one night after we went to church camp, he was dropping all the other students off, and I was the last one to get dropped off. And he actually asked me, he's like, "Hey, uh, Jason, you, you're probably wondering why I dropped you off last." And I was like, "No, nah, I just figured just because we live." sort of close to each other, and I'm furthest out. He's like, well, no, I actually wanted to ask you if, if you ever felt called to ministry. And that was uh, it was the summer before my junior year, I believe, of high school. So he was actually the one that put it on my radar early that uh, that might be something for me. And obviously, I'm hard-headed, so it took another uh, four to five years before I actually admitted, okay, this is what you want me to do, God. But that guy, just a good dude. Forrest, what was his last name? McGregor.
0: McGregor. McGregor. That's awesome. Tub Effinger. Forrest Forrest McGregor. McGregor. After uh, hearing about Tub Effinger and uh, Forrest McGregor, I can't wait now to hear from H.D. Jones. Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm, There's anxiety I'm going, going south. On. I'm going south with all these because... <laughs> well, we
0: started south, you, you know,
2: know, so we just come back around full circle. I, I like comedy, you know, so the people that really meant a lot to me, they were just funny people. And so I'll start off with the food. So, you know, I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't really remember a whole lot about the food. I guess as kids, you're just playing, you know, you're just out playing and you, you didn't think a whole lot about food. But um, I do remember a good banana pudding. For some reason, you know, church gatherings and some of those push. ladies can oh my make gosh some. with the nilla wafers on oh top, yeah you yeah. gotta have i mean nilla the whole wafers. little glass bowl that's just lined all around you know and you dig way down to get all the nilla oh wafers. now where i'm
0: from they'll use real even dark bananas that are good and ripe oh, yeah. and it makes a banana pudding yeah I mean, you want to slap somebody when that's you,
2: good stuff but then you're talking about people and i was like you gotta remember i mean i grew up in a little little Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And 70s, you know, so there's a lot of fashion shows going on during the 70s and everything. And right. I remember one time, we, you know, at VBS. And VBS was during the day, and you didn't go with your parents. I mean, it was just like, you know, parents dropped. It was kind of like daycare. Uh, so they dropped you off, and we had these adults that were over, over our classes and stuff. But I think this particular year, there was a threat of tornado. And so they, you know, had us all in the sanctuary, and they were talking about what we would have to do if we had a tornado or whatever. Well, we had this lady that went to church with us, and she had really big hair, like teased out 70s hair, Mm -hmm. you know. And so they give us this big spiel about what we're to do, and then— at the end of it, whoever's giving the speech says, Now, do y'all know what to do? And this guy beside me goes, Yeah, I'm getting behind that woman's hair. You'll, we'll be all right. But that was just one episode. But huh? there was this guy that he was a deacon in our church, and he's kind of a smaller guy, but he's one of those guys. You ever met these guys that they're funny, but they don't mean to be funny? Oh, yes. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. just don't mean to be funny. They're trying to be serious. And so churches are littered. Oh, my with gosh, people. In the in the back of our bulletin, littered with in the back of our bulletin, there was always a missionary moment, mm-hmm. and so there would be a picture of some you know poor little missionaries out in Africa and his list of all his prayer needs and everything and how you could pray for him, and so Brother Ronnie would get up. He has a cool name, but <laughs> wait a minute, it, yeah, wait yeah, a minute, Tub yeah,
1: Forrest McGregor, yeah. And Ronnie and Ronnie, brother Ronnie,
2: <laughs> brother Ronnie, brother Ronnie. <laughs> Brother Ronnie. Is perfect. Yeah. So Brother Ronnie would get up, he's this little guy, and you know, he grabs a hole to the platform in you know, the pulpit and he's up there and he's making the announcements because the deacons did that. They made the announcements and then he was gonna share the missionary moment. Well he'd get to reading that thing and he'd mispronounce like seventy five percent of the words and people in the congregation would start laughing and he would just kinda he would kind of get miffed, but he, he would just and then one time I remember him looking at it and he goes well, just pray for them little naked pygmies over there. You know? We all lost I mean, we just all lost And He didn't even know why it was funny. I mean, he just, just didn't know why it was funny. So, yeah, those, those kind of folks. Uh, you know, but you look back, you know, as an adult, um, my wife has one of these stories where just to, just honestly in our world today, we'd say it's just a weird dude. Just Just stand off to himself, and he was the guy that met every kid when mm. they came into church and wanted to shake their hand and give them a piece of, you know, the old double mint gum.
0: I have heard y'all talk about that fella. Yeah. yeah. It
2: was really cool. Yep. He and the you know, back in the day you had the you had the little silver mm-hmm. covering over the gum, but then you had the wrapper. He kept every one of those wrappers in a drawer and when he died they made a wreath over his casket oh, out of man. those wrappers. And so it's just back one of those things, you know, And you know, we can have fun and, and have some of those fond memories, and golly, church is full of just strange people, because we're all strange in we're some all way. <laughs> but it's just a good reminder that, you know, just, again, just just be there and love on people and do, do whatever it is you do. I would like to know if, if
0: any of my folks back in northwest Arkansas can send it to comments at mikethebaptist.com. I'd like to know what Louise Holliball was really like. Cause that's the only thing I re- remember about her, but she was always there. So there must be a good story behind Louise and yeah, and her playing that piano. And I, I I would really like for somebody to send that in. I'd like to hear that. There were other
2: people that were inspirational in my life, but that was just oh, I got to tell you one more. This okay. is pretty cool. So the pastor that baptized me. So it would have been you know probably when I was grade school. He had a special needs son, and David was just hilarious. He was one of those guys. He had braces on his legs, and he'd walk in with these canes on his arm, and he. But he always had a smile on his face. So he's probably an adult. He was probably twenty-five to thirty years old, and he would just talk to everybody. Well, my dad always has had cows, raised cows, and my mom—if she listening to this, forgive me—but my mom was just <laughs> always one of these ladies that's been in love with food, mm-hmm. and mom struggled with that her whole life, and so. She has, in her own words, she's been every size of the dresses that they make. You know, she's, Sometimes she's the small size, sometimes – so she, she would go up and down this scale. Well, David noticed that about my mom, and he comes just hobbling up to my dad one night, and he's just smiling. He looks up, and he says, Mr. Ted, Mr. Ted – if you can get your cows to fatten up like your wife, you'd be a rich
4: man.
2: Oh <laughs> And I'm gonna tell you, my mom loved it. She, I think David she was the did? only. I think David was the only guy that could ever say that about my mom. And she, and she even says to this day, she's like closest thing to an angel I think I've ever met. Yeah, but it was so funny, Mister Ted. If you can get your cows to fatten up like your wife,
0: <laughs> you know what's funny is when you and I've thought about this a bit when I thought that'd be a good thing to talk about when you get to thinking about that things start popping up in your head that you hadn't thought of in years yep, about all that yep. it's very interesting like all those people had a story it's do, do kids still glue macaroni to paper plates they we used uh, to do that in vbs yeah. bible schools yeah i can re, i can really in popsicle sticks. I used
1: to eat the macaroni
0: the hard macaroni. Yeah. I didn't like with the, it. Glue it, with <laughs> the glue on it. Crunchy. the glue on it. After he sniffed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this went way off the rails real quick. So uh, we'll take a break, come back, talk about some stuff we found in the Bible this week. Sweet. Stick with us.
5: Do you listen to or watch Mike the Baptist? Do you wear clothes? If so, we've got some great news. T-shirts and hoodies are now available at MikeTheBaptist.com. Just visit MikeTheBaptist.com, click on the merchandise link, and you'll find high-quality tees, hoodies, and even onesies for the babies in a variety of colors, all with the Mike the Baptist logo and familiar sayings from the program. Mike the Baptist is a true labor of love. No one has to pay to listen or watch the program, but Mike and the crew have to eat. So a portion of each sale of a t-shirt or hoodie goes to Mike's local Kroger, Walmart, or electric utility. It's kind of simple like that. In order to keep the program free, we have to generate a bit of income to pay the bills. When you make a purchase, you're not only doing the world a favor by wearing clothes, you're helping keep the messages of Mike the Baptist on the air. Thanks for helping out and thanks so much for being involved in spreading the good news. What a great planet.
0: Hey, we're back and we're going to turn this segment of the program over to the real preachers here and they're going to talk about some uh, things we found in the Bible this week.
1: Well, I don't know if you guys ever struggle with this. Maybe this is just something unique to me, but I'd imagine that uh, you guys struggle with it as well. You guys ever wonder about the impact that you're able to make? Sometimes it feels like you're not making any impact at all. Well, there there were a couple guys in the Bible, uh, Elijah and Elisha, and they were they were what they called prophets, which basically just meant they were people that uh, told Israel hey, if you don't stop being dumb, this is what's going to happen. And so that was essentially their job. And and they were, they were prophets for Israel for about 100 years. But before and after, um, most of the kings were evil. Uh, either the kings or the judges were, were pretty evil. And so sometimes it's easy to dismiss the impact that just one person can make. Um, for a hundred years, Israel had strong people telling them about God. Now, I didn't mean that everybody followed that advice. But for a hundred years, there were, uh, generally speaking, more righteous kings. Generally speaking, Israel was doing the right thing. Uh, not always, but generally speaking, that was the case. And then afterwards, most of them were evil. Um with that in mind, I mean, what, where can God use us to make an impact?
3: You know, it's, it's interesting to uh, think about the impact that you have on others. Uh, 20 years ago, you know, there's a, a kid in our youth group, and uh, I never really paid attention or never thought about how much kids uh, ponder what we say, you know, as teachers mm. or, or preachers. And uh, this boy would come back to me months after a certain lesson would be taught and he would be reciting to me things I had said, uh, you know, in a, in a lesson and about how much of an impact that had on him, how it would challenge him and stuff like that. <clears throat> Hadn't been here at temple very long. And I think it was again, over one of our coffee talks, um, uh, Nick came back, you know, weeks later and I Nick's heard, a good dude. He is. And he, he was referring to something that I said in a previous conversation. And it's like, I don't even remember saying it. But I'm like, man, people are really listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just because I'm a I'm a terrible listener, I don't remember things. What were saying? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yes. And uh, the, uh,
3: it is incredible how much people are taking in what we say. And not just us because we're preachers, but people really do listen a lot of
2: times to us. Yeah. The impact that we have. Is not always seen, and that's the biggest thing that, you know, we don't understand. I've, I've had kids that weren't even members of our church but came to our VBS or something, and then you see them as an adult somewhere, and they're like, hey, just wanted you to know that I've given my life to do, you know, missions, and you were the one that inspired me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know your name, you know. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard for us to see, and that's one of the things that, you know, I hope we can encourage Uh, our listeners is that, you know, doing the right things and and being uh, obedient to God and doing all that stuff, you you may not see the initial result of that. I mean, uh, so many things. You think these two prophets that Jason has mentioned, Elijah, one of the things that's cool about him is that toward the end of his ministry, he's complaining to God that I'm the only person left that's still following you, you know, but his whole ministry was just, ups and downs, and one minute, well, matter of fact, the beginning of the story, all we see is Elijah's walking into this wicked king Ahab to tell him, it's not going to rain again until I tell you. I mean, can you imagine the audacity and the power to do that? Because that's what God had told him. And he says, it's not going to rain again until I say it's going to rain. And from that moment, he then runs to the wilderness. Then he runs further away for three years to preach to a widow woman and her son for three years. God's number one man and his whole audience, even though he had been in the courts with the kings, his whole audience for three years. And, you know, put that in perspective for us. You know, sometimes we think we'll only get to speak to 30 or 40 kids every Wednesday night. And why isn't my program this? And why, and why isn't our church doing this? And look at this church down here, how many people they've got. And we we measure things in quantity. God's got a different way of looking at it. And I would just say, you know, yeah, we, we struggle with significance in our ministry. All of us do. And so, you know I, know, I know people in our churches struggle with, I've been teaching Sunday school for three years and nobody seems to care or nobody. I haven't led anybody to the Lord. I guess I'm not the right person. You just don't know. That's right. You know, just like these people were bringing up, you know, even this woman who played terrible music, you know, had an impact on Michael. Uh, she was just being obedient using what she had. Um, and that's, I think that's our call is just to do what we can.
0: I've had this phrase running through my head for several weeks. Uh God's economy. Yep. Oh, there. hit the buzzer. Okay. Oh, uh, hit the buzzer. Really? Oh, come oh, you on. you know what? I didn't even think about that. I'll do it again. I didn't even realize. I didn't realize what I'd done. But now, I'll talk about it. Um, you know, I, I go through transitions. I'm a creative guy, and creative people kind of they challenge themselves to do something. And when they do that, they kind of sometimes look for something else to do. Something else to, that's what we do. We create. So, if you just create the same thing over and over and over, you get a little tired. Mm-hmm. Not the podcast. I'm not saying anything about the podcast with you guys, but cause this is really this, I'm I'm really liking this, and I think this is only starting where this is supposed to go. I feel I'm not going to say led, but I'm feeling like giddy. Has God yeah. spoken to you? <laughs> yeah. mm. Oh Now I'm not I'm not buzzing God there. <laughs> but no, but to so, speak. <laughs> so I go through these periods where I'm trying to figure out directions, you know, for myself and. How to make things fit, and you know we work. We work in a uh, uh, a society and in and, in and life where you have to marry finances with what you're doing, and on all that. It's all got to work together because if you just do one, the other doesn't work. If you just do the other, the other. Doesn't. So uh, I got to really thinking about all this deeply here uh, in the last few weeks. But the phrase I don't know where it came from in my head, but it's just it's just like. He keeps reminding me that his economy, the way things work, not just financially, but your time, your money, uh, your efforts, your purpose, uh, your goals. It's like he's been, he just keeps reminding me of this phrase. God's economy is different than the way I would lay all this out in my head. And it's, it's, kept, me, it's kept me down in a way. I wrote a song once and it had a line in it uh, love is a rock is it holding me down or just in place and this is the same concept that I'm thinking that he's he's telling me let him work out the details of where things are going and you just kind of stay in place because his economy is different than others and the reason I bring that up with what we're talking about here is these people that we talked about right off the bat that are in our heads. That's part of God's economy. He's planted those things in me and in you, those people along the trail in their stories that we're all individually writing here. It's like he's planted these little investments in your psyche all through the years. It's part of his economy. What's, What's happening to me is I'm realizing what's valuable the older I get and as all these things are coming together I can see how he has has brought me to a place in my life totally different than where I thought years ago I was going to be and how I was going to be here but it's a place that's more right all the time and it's his economy it wasn't mine it wasn't how I had planned things or would plan things but the more I let more I let him kind of direct that, the more it works out correctly. So I bring that up because all we're talking about, all these things that have happened over time in, in my life, all add up now to kind of make sense to things I'm doing and the things that he's kind of, I feel like, directed me to do. Uh, in the past, using my own sensibilities and my own, methods, my own economy, I made a train wreck out of a lot of things. But the more I kind of stand back and let him do his. So his economy not, has nothing to do with money. It has to do with purpose and direction, contentment, which we've been talking about for several weeks, satisfaction. Um,
2: what was your original thing you were talking about? It just triggered something in me. Well, that, you think about these profits. And a matter of fact, I've, you know, when you're a pastor, other pastors come and talk to you. And uh, and I'll be the first to say, you know, it's been a lot of fun to be a pastor at Temple Baptist Church because we're in a growing city. Um, we've we've been able to grow the church and do some things. And I know it's not us, but people on the outside, you know, they want to come in and kind of kick the tires and go, "How did you make this happen? And how did you make that happen? And all that and." I spoke to one guy one day over lunch, and he was—I uh, mean—he was really kind of broken, kind of at the end of his ministry. And he said, "You know, I wish I could have had half the success that you've seen over at Temple." You know, I, I guess God's just always—you know—didn't didn't want me to have, be successful. And I just stopped him and I said, "Think about Elijah. Think about Jeremiah, the prophet, who the weeping prophet who goes out and gives a message that nobody wanted to hear." Trying to keep them out of going into captivity, but they went into captivity anyway. And I'm sure he felt like a complete failure. But how many people in the church over the last 2,500, 3,000 years have felt encouraged by Elijah's story, Jeremiah's story? So our stories are even bigger than we are. And, you know, what we got, what we build as success. God's like, it's not just about the 60 or 70 or 80 years that you have here on the earth. I'm doing something more with your faithfulness than you can even begin to understand. We're right now in that process of asking people to fill a shoebox for Samaritan's Purse. Mm -hmm. And I really believe this. I mean, there are some of our people at church who never— would feel comfortable going knocking on a door, sharing their testimony, but they'll go get a box and they'll fill it full of a lot of stuff. And I, I really believe they're thinking about a kid, mm. and they're praying, God do something with this box. And they'll turn it in, and there will be no fanfare, there will be no pat them on the back. But I think one day in heaven, somebody's going to come up and pull it, pull at their coattail and say, Hey, I want to thank you for picking out those toys because through that. God got a message to me and da 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 so those are the things that we don't know um, and we just have to believe that you know it, he's wor- again he's working that out and that comes to that contentment thing you
0: know this thing this uh, you're talking about this church that we're all involved in and how it's been all this growing and people saying asking you over time you know how did you do that how did you do that you know what I've observed I've been there 25 or 26 years you know what I've observed and I've just just now I'm and thinking about it, uh, we all didn't do something. We let it happen. We let it happen, Yeah, literally, because I know a lot of those meetings over the years about decisions and how things were progressing. And I can't recall any of those people just getting real forceful about an idea or something, but I, I recall over and over about the, the feeling that he's doing this and we need to let certain things happen, even if we don't understand them. So, just an observation. But
1: So, two things. I find it really awesome that you use the word economy. Okay. Uh, so, the word he economy. You made him buzz himself. Uh, no, no, no. I know. That's funny. <laughs> just the way he said God's economy. Well, okay. He's it correct. Did, if I'm going to have it the buzzer, it did I kind of. Yeah, that
2: sounded churchy. It
1: did. But. i going to get us the, all buzzers. That'll the be The word economy in the original meaning of the word, uh, basically it's sort of like house law, the way a house is run. It's its from the it's, it's a combination word, house rules, essentially, house law. You're kidding. No, um, that is economy, uh, the way a house is run. And so when you say God's economy,
4: mm-hmm.
1: the way God runs his house is really, in essence, what you're saying. It's not dealing with finances, although that's a part of it. But mm-hmm. the way God runs his house is just different. Um, And by the way,
2: the phrase God's house is in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Bible. I've learned that over the last few weeks. Any. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Going back to what you said about the shoeboxes, there is an individual who does not want to be named, who for the last multiple years has given money to the students to fill shoeboxes. And it's not a small amount. It's a big amount. And so our church has the opportunity to go out and serve Thanksgiving meals And after that, what we do is uh, we'll we'll go and fill shoeboxes with the money that this guy gets. Mm -hmm. And the kids get so excited about filling, I don't know, half a dozen, a dozen shoeboxes. I don't even remember how many we get to do. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. And getting to fill those and and see these kids get excited about doing ministry, Mm -hmm. about serving other people because somebody doesn't want to be named in God's house rules. This is how it works, man. You have, you have some people that just equip others to do stuff. He makes an impact that so many people have no idea that he makes an impact.
0: It started out, the conversation started out about uh, what you say. And uh, Koontz was talking about not being aware that, you know, how closely people are listening. But people may, may not be observing you real close either. But if you think in your own mind... You look back through your life at things people did along the way that kind of impacted you or impressed you, or, you know, in this uh, church uh, spiritual stuff that we talk about, you think about, I think about a guy that, that, uh, talked to me about giving my life to Christ over the bed of a pickup truck at a gas station one time. Mm. I don't know if he, uh, he may may or not listen to these, but I, I don't know if he remembers talking to me, but I think I was a late teenager, uh, 17, 18 years old maybe. And uh, at that time, I probably dodged him a little bit. He was one of those guys who was deep in church, and I knew it. And you know, And you knew if you got close to him, he's going to bring it up. But I can recall being across the bed of a truck with him probably – two-minute conversation, but that was that's always been in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's always been in my mind. And, in fact, uh, I think I was truly saved in 96 or 97 out roaming around the country by myself. That's one of the first things I thought about is that conversation he had with me, which, which if I remember it right, basically put me on notice. Mm-hmm. That you need to think about this right here because it matters. Which you know, there's been a few people in my life. Uh, a psychology teacher, drugged me out in the hall one day and told me, "Jackson, you're a smart." And she used the word. <laughs> and nobody had really, alec? nobody had really stood in word? my face, smart Alec, smart Alec, something okay. like that. Uh, yeah, she drugged me right out of class, closed the door in the hall, looked at me, said, "Jackson, you're a smart Alec." But you know what that did? Uh, up until then, nobody had really... No authority figure like that had ever just got me right in the... And looked me in the face and told me that. Man, I, I had this great respect for her after that and still do to this day. I mean, she... Uh, and just like this guy across the bed of that truck, he just told me in no uncertain terms. I don't remember the exact words, but I remember the feeling that I got and knowing he was right and I was dodging it. But So, yes, I mean... So, what's the two words that make up economy? The running um, of the house, Sort of thing. Yeah,
1: basically. The, there's the Greek word for house, which is oikos, and nomia is the Greek word for law. So. You
0: think it's safe to say that God is uh, uh, tailoring the things that happen to you along the way in your life so that you get to this uh, reward down the road here? I mean, the payoff In the economy, so to speak, the value. You think he's doing that? You
2: know, as a parent and now a grandparent, you can think of all the things that you do to guide your child. Manipulate is maybe a bad word, but manipulate. Well, you have to do a little. You're 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 doing things (laughs) to push them in directions and to keep them out, and even the little things that they do, you celebrate. And uh, you know, just the grandkids. So you know cooking breakfast. You know, hmm. Elliot, four or five years old, Papa, I want to cook breakfast. Okay, let's go in there. Well, here's the reality. I bought all the food, <laughs> paid for all the electrical bill. Uh, I'm the one in charge. You know, basically, I'm holding her up to drop the toast in the toaster. I'm pushing the button. I'm setting the dial. I'm, yeah. You know, she has very minimal skin in the game. Mm-hmm. But she feels good about herself. I feel good about us doing that together. And we got to feed some people, and we had a good time doing that. How much more is God, you know, he doesn't need me, you know, to preach a sermon. He could use a donkey that's in the Bible. That's an any. You know, he speaks through a donkey. He doesn't need us. But how cool is it that he wants us and how frustrating he has to be or he has to get at us when— we look at him and go, Well, I'm not doing anything big for you, so I'm just not going to do anything. You know, we miss, again, that God's taking the little things. Um, Billy Graham, we all know what Dr. Graham's ministry has turned out to be and how awesome it was. But, you know, there was that Sunday school teacher that shared Christ with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about our church. <clears throat> um, you think about our church and two of the guys that helped start the church. Do you remember where Garnet and Charlie came from? What church? Yes. Laughlin. Loughlin well, Baptist. on Dickerson Road or Lake, Lakewood or Lach- I thought it was Lachlan or something like that. Maybe anyway, we got to talking about that. And so these two men were friends or you know, at least knew each other elementary school, and they went to this church. Just so happens the guy that was my pastor that baptized me went to that same church, Frank Evans became the director of missions at the Robertson County Baptist Association when Charlie and Garnet decided God had led them to start a church. And they who they go talk to? They go talk to Frank Evans. And all that stuff that God has been doing through Temple Baptist Church, and I started to think about, who are those Sunday school teachers and RA teachers that poured into those men that allowed them to be able to— I mean, it's just crazy, mm-hmm. you know? And— uh it's really cool to see how God does those things.
0: Coincidence, quinky ding. That's yeah, just coincidence. Yep.
1: You know, there, we've been looking at this from the uh, the positive side of the impact one person can make. Let's, let's take a, a switch here and look at it from the opposite side. Uh, sometimes I don't know if you guys are like this, but sometimes it's frustrating to see society today and to see uh, sinful people have good, long, prosperous lives, and to, to see that happen a lot. Uh, now, when it comes to the, the, the rulers of Israel and Judah, as a general rule, those that uh, were righteous had longer rules, longer reigns as king and some of the ones that were unrighteous had generally speaking shorter time periods where they were king uh but sometimes uh, it feels like what we see is people that have sold their souls uh for something other than god and they're the ones that we see that are successful too often it feels like and so do you guys ever get i mean what are you guys thoughts about that um do you ever find that frustrating to see people that just are successful in so many different ways that have sold themselves to the the ideas of this world that are running hard and fast away from God? Do you guys ever struggle with that? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's frustrating because you see, you see oftentimes the ones that are the, the most successful, the most influential, the ones that are the most powerful, they're just... Generally speaking, not following God. The ones that we do love and respect the most often are the ones that we catch a glimpse of their inside life. I I mean, I didn't know this until just recently, but everybody apparently, I mean, pretty well loved the Queen of England. Apparently, when she died, one of the things that came out is she was a devoted Christian, Mm -hmm. loved Jesus, had her own quiet time all the time. We loved her, but she seems to be an outlier. And so do you guys ever wonder, like, do you ever just groan internally and just wonder, like, why does evil seem to succeed so well on this side of eternity?
0: This ain't always internal. I mean, I know <laughs> yeah. people, people regularly complain about, well, that guy's crooked as he could be. Why is he doing so good? You know, it used to bother me an awful lot. You know,
3: uh, I would get aggravated with what you're talking about. Uh, I'd get aggravated. I, one of the things that HD mentioned earlier about comparing ourselves with uh, pastors or other churches that might just be mega churches or doing things that we just can't do and things like that. Uh, but God has kind of been, I think he's been revealing to us, we're, we're looking at the wrong things as well. Uh, you know, just in uh, you know this past summer with a lot of bad things that have come out about some preachers and things like that. You know, you know that's like, right. Why, uh, why am I putting all my focus on these other fellas mm-hmm. you know I can learn a lot from man but you know I need to my, where's my focus need to be at you know and then uh, I just don't pay a whole lot of attention to to a lot of it anymore you know and uh, especially you know celebrities and things like that uh, it doesn't bother me anymore and you know, I know what they are know what they have and stuff But I'm like yeah I've got so much better waiting for me one day and you know we're just going through this temporary thing right now
1: yeah and you know Part of that is when we get frustrated, when we get anxious about when our leaders are, are not good leaders, this, that, and the other, or the economy is not going the way that we want it to, uh, inherent in that is oftentimes a lack of trust in God. Um, inherent in that is is a lack of trust that God will, as scripture says, um, in his heart, a man may plan his steps, but God determines his path. Uh, in scripture, it says that uh, God moves the heart of the king. Um, the heart is like waters and God moves them where he wants. And so inherently in our anxiety about that, inherently in our frustrations with things not going the way that we think that they should, um, with unrighteous people succeeding, is inherently a lack of trust in. In God, and that is hard to recognize in ourselves. It's easy to get frustrated when we see that, but underlying that, our frustration is often a lack of trust that God will, in the end, make things right. Mm -hmm. And even if God doesn't fix every evil now, oftentimes He does, like with the kings of Israel, they generally had a shorter reign if they were evil, and generally had a longer reign if they were righteous, but not always. But even if God doesn't fix every evil now, do we do we really trust Him to do that eventually, mm-hmm. in eternity? And that's a that's a question we have to ask ourselves, um, because sometimes we can look at other people's bad behavior and see them get away with it, and then we begin mm-hmm. to think in ourselves, well, it's working for them. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can get away with it, and we can confuse God's mercy. With God's uh, okay in our behavior. We can confuse God's grace, uh, mistaking his delayed punishment for our sin, uh, with God's blessing. And, you know, in the end, this side of eternity doesn't matter a whole lot. It, it does. I mean, what we do on this side of eternity determines what happens to us on the other side of eternity. But, what we do over here is a very short time period and it's done quick and all those years that we struggle and you know just put our back to the plow and uh really press hard against breaking ground and and making sure that our bank account is healthy enough to carry us through our uh our lean years to make sure that our kids are doing the right thing uh to make sure that we're succeeding in our jobs and we're the most successful that we can possibly be. All that struggle on this side of eternity doesn't really mean a whole lot on the other side of eternity. Because one day, even all the good things that we do and we get all these crowns in in heaven for all of our righteous deeds, it it says that we're actually gonna lay those down at the foot of Christ.
3: we, we We get hung up on what's really a lot of little things. Yeah. That's what this life is. A lot of this life is little things. There's one big thing. What is somebody doing with Jesus? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the one big thing that we need to get hung up on even more so because, yeah, like you said, all this other stuff, man, it doesn't amount to much. Now, the guys that we've talked about today that were impactful in our lives and stuff, because a lot of them were were Christian guys that we've talked about and stuff like that. That's all a part of our story. That was meaningful stuff. But, you know, uh, what are we going to do with Jesus? What is somebody else going to do with Jesus? That's what's going to carry over. Mm Mm-hmm into
2: the eternity you keep talking about the thought that we have to realize too is that we're going to have up and downs yeah there are going to be time we talked about contentment several sessions we've talked about you know paul saying i've learned to be content with little i've learned to be content with much but the reality of the question we have to ask ourselves is god enough is god enough and that you know it's hard for us to think that sometimes. I mean, you, if you ask that question, you're like, oh, absolutely. But what if you got a uh, phone call that said, you know, all of your family has been decimated, a bomb's been dropped. Is God enough? You know, if the blessings were taken away, is God enough? And one of the cool things, when you look at Elijah's story and you kind of back up a little bit, he had multiple wilderness experiences or what we'd call difficulties and one of them was right after he uh, had walked in to say, it's not going to rain for three years. God said, look, you need to go down to the creek and and hide out. God sent him to the wilderness. God was with him. God fed mm-hmm. him. Uh, but then we see after Mount Carmel, Jezebel complains about Elijah and says, I'm going to have him killed. Then he puts himself in the desert. And there he was more miserable because he wasn't walking with God in those moments, and I think that comes back to you know what what is our response to life, and it's got to be I'm walking with Him. I'm I'm trying to be obedient with Him. I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do today. Uh, I like uh, Henry Blackaby's thing in experiencing God. He said, "Just keep doing what you did yesterday, tomorrow, until God tells you to do something else." And there's some there's some lot of wisdom in that, and Not every day is going to be, hey, I got to speak to 10,000 people and so many accepted Christ. Tomorrow may be, you know, I got to write a few notes and make a few phone calls and have a lunch meeting with somebody. Um, But again, if we're just being obedient in that.
1: So let's put some application to these concepts that we're looking at. What are some of the more, um, in your experience, what are some of the sins that people do consistently and frequently because they feel like they get away with it.
0: Is application a churchy word?
2: Mm-mm. Because you got applications on your phone. You know, those down things you download. Okay. All right.
1: And you apply medicine. We call to them wounds. apps. We call them apps, but they're applications. I was going to
2: buzz that, but I,
0: I thought application. So, yeah. But, nope, you got to pass on that.
1: Let's, let's make it real. Yeah. With that. Yeah,
0: rephrase it. All right. Let's, so let's make it real. What are, what
1: are some of the, uh, the things that people <clears throat> do that are just jacked up? Well, now we'll we're talking because they think they get away with it. And you
3: don't know, think about what we're carrying around with us. You know, we got access to the internet. How many guys are looking at things on their phones right now? Bang! That we're not supposed to be looking at. I mean, we would probably be sick if we do. How many people in the church were, were guilty of that on a weekly yeah. basis?
0: That's a problem. It is a problem. It's, it's a
3: human problem. Business? It's
0: not just. It's a, not a church problem. It's a human problem. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. But it's a church it's old, because
3: we're the four of us are a part of the church. Yes. you know, and yeah. there's a lot of people that make up a part of that church that we're doing things we ain't supposed to be doing.
1: Uh, that's a big one for guys. What are some other ones? I mean, that, that's a huge one. That's just, and that, that's not even just for adults anymore. Yeah. Uh, they say that kids are exposed to no, that kind of stuff it's in elementary school, yeah. mm-hmm. it's late elementary school. I mean, it's just insane. If you're actually as a student minister, if you're not talking to students about God's way of uh, having right relationships with other people specifically in that area, if you're not talking to them about that very early, uh, you're too late
0: I wonder what it would be like if uh, if we put a, uh, you had to have a permit to have a cell phone like like we don't give kids let kids drive cars until they're 15, 16 years old I wonder what would, what would change if we did that with cell phones
1: So it's interesting that you say that. Fundamentally, a student's brain is different than yours and mine. Uh, Their brains have been fundamentally rewired. Literally, their brains light up differently because technology is such a big aspect of their life in a way that your brain, my brain, did not form. Mm -hmm. I mean, their brains literally light up differently on an EKG.
2: Well, Avery wouldn't be able to text his grandma and. You know, <laughs> pull those things. Yeah, those, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. be terrible. That yeah. part, yeah. So
1: we we made it real on one way. What's another way that you guys have what was seen? The question? Uh, <laughs> what what are some of the things people get away with or do because they think they get away with it? Pornography is one. Are you it's, talking about that's huge? Christian people
2: or people? just greed, people? Greed, yeah. greed, greed's a big. You know, I think just using other people. I mean, that's what pornography is. You're using other people, but we do that in lots of ways. That's true. Just, Business. just using and abusing yeah. people, yeah. you know, as, as if um, the only thing that matters is you, self, self-preservation self mm-hmm. over anybody else. Well, you know, my dad places.
1: was a, a service manager at a dealership for many years with Ford. And the things that would often make him the most frustrated with his employees is when they would, because they thought they were getting away with it, take advantage of the customer. To a dangerous extent, especially so when uh, my dad, at one point in time, found an employee that was saying they were replacing brake parts and not mm-hmm. because he was selling those brake parts somewhere else mm-hmm. and he was actually putting somebody's life at risk. Mm-hmm. And my dad, actually, <laughs> in his less Christian days, chased him around the shop where the wrench Because he was putting somebody else's life. Are are y'all amazed
2: when you see these stories on the news or something? Like I remember, you know, they're like, "Hey, be careful when you pull up to the gas pump and you put your card in there because there are thieves who have created a plastic piece and the the hardware to look like that, but it's actually going to their cell phone and giving all your information." I'm like, if these guys are that smart. Why can't they go get a real job and use their brain that they obviously have and their creativity that they obviously have something for good? But it's just, it just, I don't know, it just frustrates me. It's the me. same reason
0: years ago they would uh, put a string and a piece of tape on a quarter to steal a coke out of a coke machine. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's no different. Yeah, yeah. It's the the same thing on the inside of humans. I got news for y'all and everybody else. There's always been, there's always going to be crooked people on the planet and you're gonna you're gonna envy things they do in a sick sort of way that, and you don't even want to feel that way but it's what you keep saying you feel like they're getting away with something and although you wouldn't go do the wrong thing it still feels that same way when you see somebody else prosper off of doing wrong it's an envy it's, it's a human it's a human thing Uh, It's a jealousy and envy, but not for what they're doing, but for the fact that they're gaining, and they're gaining wrong.
1: So Uh, the the one that I would point out is uh, it's a phenomenon that has really popped up with uh, the age groups that I work with. It's cheating, mm -hmm. and and I don't mean just in a test, just in doing that stuff, uh, because that... Mentality and philosophy of life that happens when they do that bleeds over into other sections of their life, but they do not see cheating as a bad thing. No, they will. They will literally. Teachers will. They will have to print multiple tests, <clears throat> um, not just for a particular class period, but from one class period to the next, because students will take the test, text their friends the answers or mm-hmm. they, I mean, they, they've gotten sophisticated. I had a college professor tell me one time, uh, he caught a student that had a watch that they had hollowed out the watch, and you could pull out the side piece, and there was a scroll. He would pull out the scroll, it had notes, and then he would put it back up, push it back in. <laughs> wow. Just to cheat. And, and you're selling yourself short on To become the person of character that when you are successful, you're selling yourself short when you do those things. Because when you are successful, you will not handle that success well. Hmm. Whether financially, uh, relationally, whatever, you will not handle that success well if you cheat to get ahead. Because when you get it, the things that you did to get it, you will continue to do while you have it, but your impact will be on a far greater number of people and you'll just be a messed up person you won't be happy and satisfied with what you have because you cheated to get there and it'll never be enough it wrecks who you are at the core of your soul well we see in that in our ways.
2: society as a whole you know again back to who who are we kind of envious of and and why you know why do bad people succeed and all that stuff but I'm gonna tell you some of these things don't have a real just cut and dry answer. It sounds real cut and dry. You know, it's like, hey, you see that guy on the corner? He's out there. got to feed me. I'm hungry. And you're going right behind you. That group right there is paying $15 an hour. Why don't you take your lazy tail and go in there? It's not as easy as sometimes we want to make it. Um, So our world is messed up. And I think that's why the church, even early on, said, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because we realize it's in such a mess that the only answer is jesus and like when he can come back and fix all this stuff but i remember years ago we did uh i was doing an audit of the school board and so you know when i was a kid um i didn't know anything about free lunch program didn't, didn't have a clue what that was i remember one girl that was in my class in elementary school that had a ticket and when we go through the lunch line you know we still had cash you'd pay for your lunch and this one girl had a ticket and didn't really understand that, but then later found out, you know, she was on free lunch program. Well, as an adult, I go and audit the Metro uh, Education Department. And I pull this list because when you audit, you pull a list and you take samples of the list. And I pull this list and everybody that was on the list that I took a sample of, somebody had called in to basically say to the school board, that kid right there doesn't deserve the free lunch program. They don't meet the qualifications for the free lunch program. Their mom and daddy have enough money. And, uh, and it could have been a family member or anybody could turn them in. And so I went and talked to the supervisor about it. And I was, I was really disturbed. I'm like, you have a 99% fail rate. These, this list of names, 99%. When I've pulled it and I've done the audit, they don't qualify for the free lunch program. What are you going to do about it? I remember she pushed away from the desk. She folded her arms. She said, you going to tell that kid they can't eat today? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: She said, I'm not because we know that people are cheating the system. We know they're taking advantage, but we also know some that don't meet the qualifications financially. Mama spending the money on crack and the kids aren't getting anything to eat at home. So you going to tell them they can't eat today. And I was like, I'll be right back. You know, I had to go back to my office, and I was, But these things are so huge; it's, it's so, you know, golly, how are we going to fix our society? We'll take cell phones out. That's not going to fix society, nope. you know. Tell get all the get all the homeless people. That's a big thing in Nashville right now. We're going to spend fifty million dollars to make the homeless people more comfortable. you know all you're doing, you're putting them in a home, and they're not going to like that either because they have a problem and they're going to go live in the woods anyway. It's it's just. Chaotic, and so what's the answer to all this stuff? It's a heart condition,
0: right across the board.
1: So, what would we do, considering it's a heart condition? What would we do if instead of uh, seeing delayed punishment for our bad behavior, what if we what if we saw it as God's grace instead of God's blessing?
0: On our, you we you do know, bad we, things when we're looking at ourselves.
1: Yeah. What well, for ourselves, what would we do in ourselves, knowing it's a heart issue, um, if we saw God not punishing our bad behavior as God's grace and not his blessing? What
0: it should do to you is cause you to want to be different yourself. It should cause you to repay, so to speak, the favor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just like if you... To look if, at
1: the 99 and say, okay...
2: And I don't know if this is true. I was told this, so y'all you can Google this and figure this out. This but, is this hearsay? Yeah, this is just hearsay. But if it's true, this'll this will get to my point. Somebody told me that before he died that Jeffrey Dahmer received Christ. If that's true, I don't know how many people he killed and ate bizarre Super sin, weird sin life. If it's true that Jeffrey Dahmer accepted Christ before he died and ends up in heaven, do we see that as fair? Do we see that as okay?
1: Are, are we okay that God would do that? I always play the mental game with Hitler <clears throat> on that one. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what if at the end of World War II he's in the bunker and instead of taking his own life, uh, he had given it to Christ? How many people would struggle with God offering grace to Him?
0: I I I wouldn't because I know what He's offered grace to me for.
2: Yeah,
3: it would be very challenging. Yeah, in, yeah. in, in an immature faith. Well, it's cha- sure. it's challenging mentally you know, it's, anyway you look at it because even of the things. Mature, a more mature Christian, you know. That's a that's an obstacle to get over, but
0: but you have to you have to you have to accept that in God's economy, so to speak. That's right. And you just um, you, you got to be thankful
3: for it because, like,
0: Because yep. the alternative is uh,
3: forever and ever and ever. Can a, you get to the point?
0: Place. Can you get to the point in yourself where you're happy for Hitler if he did that? That's mm-hmm. a huge question,
1: and not angry at God. For offering grace to Hitler. Yeah, I'm not
0: going to get mad at God about anything. You guys do what you want, but I ain't going there on that one. (laughs) I may be confused about some things, but I ain't going there on getting
2: mad at him. I guess some people do. I I hear that a lot, but. Well, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem reasonable in our mind. But, again, you know, the reality is God's God, and he has – A bigger plan in mind and he's working and we rate our sins yeah we do oh i never i never murdered somebody and ate them that dude right (laughs) there man he deserves to go to hell because look at all the pain he caused all these families and because he caused that pain he deserves pain and we 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 like that part of retribution but we don't like the part when well what about you when you stole that thing or you hurt that person's child, or you lied here. You oh, well, That's not that bad. In God's eyes, it's that bad. Yeah.
0: And part of this, even with this guy we're talking about, is you have this feeling toward him that he's gotten away with something. Yeah. yeah. Which really gets confusing in your head when yeah. you think, did God forgive him at the last minute and accept him? That's the ultimate getting away with the bad stuff. So what do you do with that in your Just head? Just like us. Oh. I mean, what what all did we get away with? You know, it's like
3: HD said, you know, my sin's just as bad. And uh, yeah. I'm going to get to go home to glory one day. I feel blessed. Yeah. So I really one of do. The,
1: one of the things that helps me mentally with this, you guys probably be like, whatever. But um, <laughs> the level of the insult rises with the majesty of the person involved.
0: Hang okay. on, man. I got to think. That's pretty deep. So.
1: Yes. The, the, level? the level of the insult. You want me, buzzing? I'm I don't even know if I should. <laughs> oh, no. Yet it's just over I... our head. Just buzzing. Just for the heck of it. The, the level of the hang insult. On, hang on. Okay, Carry on. Rises with the majesty of the one involved. Sometimes. Okay. Oh, okay. I no, no, no. All saying. the time. Think about this. The level of defense rises with the majesty of the one involved. If you were to punch me in the face, there's a penalty for that. Um, depending on the severity of it, you know how many times you did it. There, there's a severity with that. If you did that with the president, uh, it just got escalated in a big way.
3: Yeah, but Jeffrey Dahmer wasn't famous until he.
1: No, 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 no. Follow me on the the logic on this. Um, so the level of the offense rises with the majesty of the one involved. The problem is we have a tendency to view sin as my sin's not as bad as that person's sin. We forget that God is all majestic most worthy being ever has been ever will be um his son willingly chose to die for us and so each and every sin that we did is not a minor sin each and every sin that we did because we are doing it against the one who is perfect the one who loved us from the beginning who has never done anything wrong always does what's in uh our best interest and his glory when we do that offense to him, it doesn't matter how minor, and I'll put that in air quotes that is for us it's a felony offense it's a capital offense and so we, we mistake our sin as being better or worse than somebody else's sin, and because it's God because he's perfect, all majestic, all holy it doesn't matter what sin it was it was a capital punishment offense
0: Take up an offer and give an altar call right there. I have a theory. When you started talking in this segment about the kings...
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, I good. was going somewhere else with Well, We apologize.
0: all do that. This is part of the process here. Uh, you know how church people are. They get church. Everybody wants to talk. So you just got to cut people off sometimes. Uh, anyway, uh, I got a theory about when you started talking, you are talking about the kings... And it it seems the righteous, good people had longer reigns. Generally speaking, yeah. I have a theory about why that is. Because you ain't going to get the best of God's plan. You might cause a little chaos in it, but you are not going to alter it. His plan is going to carry forward, regardless of the pesty rulers and leaders that come along and cause chaos in it. That's my theory about why the you might see longer reigns on people that stay closer to uh, his plan moving forward than those who go against it. Just theory. I think it's
2: probably right, but I always say I'd rather him be fighting for me than to fight against me. Yeah, yeah, because you ain't gonna win, and that's what you see <laughs> in those kings' lives. God was fighting for them as they followed his plan and he fought against those who were going against his plan. Doesn't mean that that an evil king didn't have any success and doesn't mean that a good king didn't have any failures, but generally speaking God fights for those who are obedient and doing what he asks us to do and he fights against those who are being disobedient.
1: Specifically with the the kings of Babylon and the kings of Assyria, those were were people that were really evil. I mean, they did lots of crazy stuff. There was a reason that Israel didn't like them. There was a reason that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because they did crazy stuff. Even those evil people, their reign only extended as far as God allowed them to extend because God had something he wanted to do through them. And so repeatedly um, in Ezekiel, there's this phrase, uh, then they will know that I am the Lord then they will know that I am the Lord. And it was usually in reference to being punished. And if you look in Ezekiel, it says repeatedly, uh, There's, I think it's chapter 22 specifically, where it just repeatedly says, because you, because you, because you, because you. I mean, it just continuously points to um, our own sin. Israel had been doing this sin for a long time before God finally said, you're not getting away with it anymore. And as hard as the exile was, it was actually for Israel's good. Because if Israel had been allowed to continue the way that they were going, they were running so hard and so fast away from God that they were getting to a point of no return. God was pulling them back before they got to that point. And he wanted them to actually, in the future, in some time, after they had been punished and they realized the error of their ways, he wanted them to actually be able to experience God's love and grace and mercy again. And so even when evil people win, it might just be because God has a plan for that. And even when uh, evil people don't get punished, it might just be because God is being merciful and gracious to us. Because he he wants us to be able to eventually recognize, man, the way I'm doing it, I need God instead.
0: Deep stuff, but good stuff. the Bible's full of good stuff, isn't it?
1: It really is. Yeah, you should give it a shot if you haven't before. It only takes fifteen minutes a day. That's what you said to read the Bible cover to cover. <laughs> you, if you watch an hour of TV, will spend more time watching commercials than you will taking time to read the Bible cover Once the to cover. The
0: Bible's on TV.
1: <laughs> That'd just be crazy.
0: <laughs> well, since a lot of people are there anyway, it's just a thought. Good talk, fellas. All right, we got to go to the bathroom. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back. In your attic, coming right up. Hey,
5: everybody, it's time to play America's almost favoriteest new game show, Any or Audi, where we challenge our guests to figure out if a phrase we give them is actually in the Bible or out of the Bible. Sharpen your wits, guest, you're about to be in the hot seat of Bible stuff, because you're the next contestant on Any or Audi.
0: Here's Mike. Any or Audi is so exciting and, uh, you know what? It's actually educational, I've found out. I think we may have talked about that a time or two recently, kind of hinted at the fact that it's, it's kind of interesting learning some things here that I didn't really know before now. You just take for granted. You know what? I think it's going to be a good thing. When, when any reality catches on nationwide, worldwide, and more people start doing this, I think it's going to be good for people.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's going to be beneficial. Of course, you know at some point they're going to change the title from any <laughs> or Audi to something a little more uh, substantial and meaningful. But I kind of like it; it's, it's catchy. We're going to hang on to it here yeah. at Mike's Baptist. Trademarked.
1: Yeah. I think that's an in any, not an Audi. The title.
0: We'll have to talk about that sometime. but Visible confusion.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's what I saw. It,
0: yeah, sometimes my mind kind of just stops me, <laughs> like, like those fainting goats. Anyway, in reality today. <laughs> yes, uh, the people in power today, uh, Koontz and I were in power the last episode mm-hmm. we had. No, actually it's been several weeks ago. I don't know when it was, but the last time we were all together in this mm-hmm. setting, you and I were in power. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Today, H.D. Mm-hmm. Jones and Jason Riccardi – Uh, are in power and I'm a little frightened you should be but I'm ready I'm ready take it away fellas let's go let's do
2: this you want to go first so one of the reasons given that people reject God is because they believe they're too holy for God say again (laughs) One of the reasons that people will give for rejecting God is they believe they're too holy for God. In other words, they feel like they're almost holier than God. And your question is... Is that in the Bible or not? That people say they're too holy or people are... They say that. That's one of their excuses for not needing God, that they... They're too holy for him.
0: Okay, so you're talking about like, is it in there where a character at some point in the scripture might have said, I I'm don't too, need. I'm too holy for you. Now we're getting somewhere. Hmm. The music can exactly. So is that where
1: the phrase holier than thou comes from? Is that what
0: hmm. you're. Holier than thou. That's a hmm. phrase that we have. And we use. And somebody put the word thou in that phrase. That would be the King James Version. It sounds, yeah. Can you give me the message equivalent? Hmm. Nope, I don't think you can. (laughs) It's kind of of just a phraseology, yeah. The question is, is anywhere in Scripture, in the Bible, is there an example where somebody said they were too holy to believe in God or too holy for God I
2: like the way Jason put that maybe that's where we get holier, holier than, than
0: thou I thought that was always just talking about like me to you Can like where be? you're acting a little holier you know yeah, holier I, than I, thou but it came from somewhere do
2: we have to have the answer for these that's where I always struggle with well things. that's I always great, a, well, I, I think have, you all have oh wait a minute all, you asked the work? question and I'm, oh, sitting yeah, here, I'm sitting here talking right. to you about whether or not
1: okay <laughs> This is such a twist. Can you say the question again? (laughs) Trying to figure out if you're trying to trick us with the question.
2: It's just, do people think, use an excuse that they're too holy for God? Is that in the Bible that people would
1: use that excuse that they're too holy for God? The Uh, easy answer seems like no, but that's such an odd thing that I almost feel like it's in there.
0: You know, this has happened regularly on this uh, particular game show, where we've all been suckered into something that sounds so odd, couldn't possibly be in there, and it was.
3: Well, I mean, how many times is it recorded in scripture that, you know, about people that are so, you know, thick-headed, you know, mm-hmm. being stupid and stuff like that, I mean, uh, I think that fits right in there.
0: So are we? Are we? Are we at one of those places where we're going to start talking concept now instead of?
3: Oh, I think it's a concept that he, because he's not giving us a a verbatim phrase. So I think we're talking about the concept of it, basically.
1: I'm going to say in. I am too.
0: This would require somebody to think they are. They don't more God. than not God. Okay, they they don't. don't need God. Where
3: I'm kind of thinking on this, I, I'm going to say yeah
0: you're not giving me that come on now Johnny you know this answer you're not giving me that any help right oh, there you
3: no. would listen to the sermon I'm tired I cannot think I'm of a single septic. place that
0: it would be in there but it just
1: I yeah. feel like it's in
0: I'm going with you guys because I, if there's safety in numbers you, then you
1: failed when you stood on your own yeah the last
0: few times I've stood on my own but you were with me on a couple no of no those <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had you're company yeah. you're welcome you're <laughs> welcome Right, teach us,
2: old oh, rabbi.
0: Yeah. Is that an inny or an outy? I mean, oh, wait, wait. Uh, our answer was it's in there. Yes. It's an inny.
2: So, actually, in Isaiah 65, it's talking about judgment and salvation. Uh, God says, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me, I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called to be my people. I spread out my hands all the day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own deceiving uh, devices, a people who provide me or provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks, who sit on in tombs and spend their night in secret places who eat pig's flesh so he's talking about Gentiles and um, and broth of tainted meat is in their vessels who say keep to yourself this is them saying this to God do not come near me for I am too holy for you
4: oh wow
2: they (laughs) are a smoke in my nostrils a fire that burns all day long behold it is written before me I will not keep silent, but I will repay. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's in there. So, good good that you guys knew that. But isn't it crazy that there would be people that would basically reject God because they think they're better than God? Hmm. Which honestly, isn't that what our rebellion is? I mean, all rebellion, Um, all rebellion is basically saying to God, "I don't." Agree with you, so I'm going to do it my way. That's pretty sure. bold to think that way. Isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I don't know that I ever thought that way, but I react that way.
0: Hey, here's a quick one. I'm not in charge, but I just thought throw a quick one in there. Pigskins. In the Bible or out? In oh, here or out sure. pig Pigskins.
2: Like a football? <laughs> or pork, rinds. Yeah, <laughs> pork
0: yeah, rinds? sounds like pork rinds? Animal? What did I you say? Know. I said pigskins. You said no, 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 no. I meant pork rinds. <laughs> okay. and I th- there you go. Hmm. This is just real quick. It, I mean,
1: it? are we talking like. As we understand them now, fried <laughs> pigskin. Well, I,
2: I didn't go that deep, dude. I saw the other day in Kroger's in the popcorn section. They have pork rinds that you put in a microwave. That's nasty. Well, I, I've seen that. But oh yeah, my
0: gosh! No, pork rinds don't you need to come out of a microwave. See what they what they Ooh. do. Hey, listen, yeah. I brought that up because you just read it. I know. they were sitting around eating pig flesh. Yep. And I thought that's That's pork rinds. Yep. I'm going to do that on any outie some of these days. And I thought I can't wait.
1: That's
3: not pork rinds. Pork rinds are the skin. Yeah. Pig flesh. flesh Pig flesh is you know your pork chops.
0: That's the flesh, not the skin. Oh, that's not the skin. Never mind. Just we'll say (laughs) outie. Meat of the matter. matter. Oh, that's good. Meat of the matter. Oh, that's awesome. That's good right there. I like that. Jason Riccardi all with right. all those
1: R's and I's. My Annie. Um, ours is an Adam. <laughs> Did you but just I'll give be, us Well, answer. let's just give yeah. uh, I'm, I'm going in. <laughs> Annie. <laughs> uh, We're all in a Female angels in the Bible. Say that again. Female angels in the Bible. Nope. Out. That's a confident no, by the way.
2: <laughs> also, I like that no. That I like, like the confidence to, of that one. You know,
1: we see precious moments, and we see all the, the angels, and, and we almost always see them as females. Yes, that, right? Wait, you can't give the answer yet. We've got to I'm, I'm just asking, like, these are the things we see culturally. So. We've got to contemplate. Right. Female <laughs> angels in the Bible, yes or no?
0: Nope.
3: <laughs> Man, you all are doing what I would do. You're not yep. even
1: letting us discuss
3: it
2: now. Well, you know, discuss it then, kids. There's, there's nothing mentioned that I know wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you know, Michael, you know. Gabriel. Gabriel. Well, now, you know. Michael
0: is uh, can be used, that name can be used both ways, you know.
2: Michelle? No. no yeah, but Michael, in,
3: the, only, uh, in the original language, it's well, uh They were masculine. messed up. They were messed up. But <laughs> well, they are messed up, the ones that use it the wrong way today. <laughs>
0: anyway. Well, so... All I'm doing right here is giving a little time for the music to swell up. <laughs> up. I do uh, nope. But Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, well, I've been so wrong for so long. So, you're so, so happy. I'm like, hey,
2: whoo, touchdown. like, I, I,
0: got, I know this one. <laughs> touchdown. Oh, man, H, I hope you're right.
2: I hope so, because I'm probably not. Because
0: I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so happy for you that you're, I know this.
1: <laughs> I thought I'd uh, love softball I, there I, I appreciate Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. I can even yeah. really getting right now, too. He's like, I'm going to burn him yeah. good. No, no, no. There, there are no uh, female We didn't get a consensus, did we? No, we never actually got You guys all it. had a
0: consensus. Yeah. <laughs> Let's give it all at the we same did. time. Two, three. No. Nope. <laughs> audi. <laughs> it's an, that's remember. an Audi. But see, we thought, I mean, I was I got excited when you first started because you said, my any is, and I thought, oh, yep, he slipped this time because I'm waiting on y'all yes. to slip all the
1: time. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do that a lot. Audi. Yeah, that was I'm not was as good one. at the any uh, audi picking as, as like you as guys are. Oh, I'm yeah. terrible at it. You guys are really good at them.
0: I think you've had some good ones in there.
1: Maybe. Volvo? Accord.
0: Accord, yeah.
1: Yeah. He got that like that, though. Yeah, Like, I've not ever had one where people are, like, on the fence. Oh, man, is that.
0: I think you've had a couple that required us to think about it a little bit. But I think I'm usually thinking more about are you up to something than whether or not (laughs) it's actually real or not. It's just my face. I can't help it. It's like (laughs) – Okay, that was fun. We're going to take a break, come back, and sing a great old hymn that means so much to so many and has for so many years.
5: Maybe I can do it. Oh, wow. What a great contestant and a fine sport today on Any or Audi, America's almost favorite new game show. Study up, future guest people. You're next in the hot seat for Any
4: or Audi. Eddie and Ray are friends. That's why Ray's walking his bike instead of riding home, so he can be with his friend, Eddie. Carl is not a friend. He lives in the same neighborhood, but he hasn't made friends with the others. Here's Jane. She's a friend. And guess what? She's going home to make some fudge. And she's inviting the fellows to come over later and sample it. Yes, sir, friendships are worth having, aren't they? Carl isn't in on the fun. Maybe he's just not the friendly sort. What do you think? When it's so much fun to have a friend and be a friend, why is it some people are not friends? Wouldn't it be more fun to have more friends? We all have fun with our own friends. But what about other people? Mightn't they be fun? After all, we're all strangers till we make friends. Yes, friendships are worth having at home, at school, wherever we are. It's fun to be with our friends, and Ray has learned lots of ways to be friendly. Would Carl make a good friend? It isn't hard to find out. Try saying something, anything, something to break the ice. No, it isn't hard to start a new friendship, and it isn't hard to be generous, and it isn't hard to be courteous. And you never can tell just how much a new friendship is going to mean to you. Well, you know, a couple weeks ago I met a new friend, Carl. Well, it turns out he can play the piano. Really play it. I didn't know a kid could play like that. And they had him do a whole radio program. He asked some of us to go with him. Then we sat right in the studio with him. You'd have thought he was my own brother or something. And you know, I think it meant a lot to him. Anyway, I guess it proves that you've been trying to tell me about Billy takes everything, buddy, doesn't? It? Yes, friendships are worth having. At home, at school, wherever we are, it's fun to be with our friends.
0: You know what it's like when uh, you get a long-winded preacher. I do.
1: I'm right yeah. here,
0: and <laughs> and you're sitting there, and your stomach's growling. I do and the football game starts pretty close to right at noon and they just keep talking and they keep talking and they keep talking well the last thing you want to happen in that situation is the music director to stand up there and sing a hymn and demand that you sing all three verses all the courses. Let them play their instrumental in the middle of it. And you're just wanting to go home and eat and watch football. You know how that – you know that feeling?
2: Is Miss Rosenbaum. What's her name? Was uh, she Louise Holliball. Hollaball was she playing? A,
0: when, you, yeah. when that last – you know them last 38 tinkly notes, and you're just on the edge of your seat going, man, kickoff, mm, chicken,
1: I got to – As much as I loved Forrest McGregor, he had a habit of holding us hostage during the altar call.
0: See? See what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, we're not like that on Mike the Baptist. We respect your time.
1: (laughs) We've wasted (laughs) enough
0: of it. (laughs) So the last thing we want to do is beleaguer you uh, with our musical talents. And some hymns, i got to tell you, some hymns are just appropriate, short, to the point— and you move on.
2: Plus, we don't want their interest to shrinkle in our program.
0: We do not want your interest shrinkling. This is a this is a special request from Cousin Joe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is it Alabama? Alabama, Birmingham. Roll Birmingham, tied. Alabama. Roll Tide, amen. Yes. Uh, Cousin Joe, this hymn is for you and to respect the fact that you may be watching this at lunchtime and you need to get to the football game we're going to respectfully sing this brief hymn just for you and wish you well, buddy. He's bound and down loaded up and trucking. We're going to do what they say can't be done. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. We're eastbound bound. Just watch old bandit run.
5: Roll on.
0: Oh, that's a different song. Well, happy birthday, Joe, or whatever. what was it? This is a request, wasn't it? Comments at
3: mikethebaptist.com.
0: Comments at mikethebaptist.com. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. See, uh, see you next time, real soon. We're just Christians. Try not, not, to, cuss. not
2: to cuss.
0: Amen. Dread.
1: Mike the Baptist.